longevity and good health is within our grasp. Our human culture right now is undergoing a lot of stress. It's a lot of turmoil. But, and we need to turn the goodness of human beings, which is in our nature, into the dominant theme for our future. And that starts with us being healthy. This episode is brought to you by Lila Quantum Tech. In the past two centuries, our understanding of longevity has revolutionized. From a mere 30 years average lifespan in 1800 to nearly 80 years today, we've made incredible strides. Now it's time to embrace the future of aging with Lila Quantum Tech. Lila Quantum Tech brings you products charged with quantum energy designed to restore balance and vitality. These products can help in managing stress, improving sleep quality, and promoting mental clarity, contributing to a younger biological age. Our modern lifestyles can accelerate aging, and EMF radiation is everywhere. With Lila Quantum Tech, you can combat this trend and focus on utilizing the balancing effects of quantum energy to maintain your youthfulness and shield yourself and your loved one's well-being. To bring balance to your everyday life, boost your health and vitality, visit lelac.com, that's L-E-E-L-A-Q.com, and embark on a journey to a longer, healthier life. And for you, dear audience, get a 10% discount on Lila Quantum Tech products with code LONGEVITY10, that's L-O-N-G-E-V-I-T-Y, one zero at checkout today. Are you ready to boost your longevity and unlock peak performance? Welcome to the Longevity and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Claudia from Berzelaga, longevity and peak performance coach. Each week, we'll explore groundbreaking science, unravel longevity secrets, share strategies to grow younger, and stay up to date with world-class health and peak performance pioneers. Everything you need to live longer, live better, and reach your fullest potential. Ready to defy aging, optimize health, and promote peak performance? Visit llinsider.com for more. My guest today is Dr. Jeffrey Bland. Dr. Bland is world-renowned nutritional medicine expert and hailed often as the father of functional medicine, such an important area. So I'm really excited for today's conversation. He is a highly respected leader in his field who has spent more than four decades focused on the improvement of human health. He is the founder of Big Bold Health, a company on a mission to transform the way people think about one of nature's greatest innovations, the immune system. Dr. Bland is an advocate of immunorejuvenation globally. He's actively established a network of farms committed to regenerative agriculture and planetary health, also such an important topic. And he's the author of The Disease Delusion and numerous other books and research papers. It's such an honor, Jeff, to have you on the Longevity and Lifestyle podcast today. Welcome on. (laughs) Well, Claudia, it's my honor. I I feel very privileged to be able to visit with you, but also to talk about this uh, topic that's on everybody's minds and how to how to live a long, healthy life. So exactly, I'm so excited. Yes, let's (laughs) begin. I know. And I'd love to start with your journey and passion for functional medicine. And maybe we can even start with, you know, what is functional medicine? I know I get that question. They're like, what is this functional medicine thing? What are people talking about? So could you expand on for my audience what that exactly is? Yeah. So this actually all arose out of uh, 
a collaborative discussion among colleagues that I had had in my inner sanctum kind of uh, for years. Mm -hmm. I've had the privilege over my life of traveling more than 6 million miles. I know it sounds crazy. <laughs> wow. In fact, it kind of is crazy when I think about it. But uh, that over 40 some years uh, traveling around the world to visit with people that are innovators and, and thought leaders, I've kind of assembled together uh, as a mosaic a lot of these ideas. And so my mm -hmm. wife said, um, this was back in 1989, she said, uh, why don't we invite some of your key friends from around the world to sit down mm -hmm. with us for a few days and, and have a whiteboard discussion about what healthcare might be if it was to be optimized. And let's take away the mm -hmm. things about licensure and reimbursement. Let's just talk mm -hmm. about what, what it would mm -hmm. look like in, in the optimal state. So we did that. We had about 45 people uh, in uh, Victoria, British Columbia on Vancouver Island. Uh, mm -hmm. It was such a successful three days that we decided we'd do it again the next year, 1990. And it was in that year that I kind of had this uh, this dream state, you know, how these things happen when our minds are busy at night. And mm -hmm. uh, I thought, you know, we've been speaking really about uh, what are the precedents before a person really gets diseased? If what, what precedes a person having a diagnosed disease or being in the hospital or in a, in a tertiary medical care center? Mm -hmm. And I landed on the thought that we were, we'd been talking all these days about really function and we could break mm -hmm. function down into really four different aspects of human function. That would be mm -hmm. their physical function, uh, mm -hmm. muscles and bones and so forth and movement. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then there was their metabolic function, all these physiological things that go on. And then there was their cognitive function, how they mm -hmm. thought and, and their mind worked. And then there was a behavioral function, which had to do with things like spiritual life, psychology of living, behavior, and so forth. And I said, if you were to be able to measure all of those four things and uh, to come to an understanding of how that person was performing and, and roll them together, that would probably be a description of their health. Because mm -hmm. now you're really describing not just the absence of disease, but the presence of a vitality, which mm -hmm. is really what health is. And so I came back and I talked to the, to the group about that. And I said, so I'm proposing that maybe we would call this this idea that we're coming up with, we would call it functional medicine. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there's a, a significant pushback at that point because people said, well, you know, in the medical world, functional medicine already has some connotations. It either means geriatric medicine with rehabilitation and older age individuals, or it means psychosomatic medicine. It's all in your mm -hmm. mind. Um, that's a functional problem. And mm -hmm. I said, well, that is true. That's historically the way it's been conceived in medicine. But, you know, I'm looking at the literature now. I follow the literature fairly closely. And, and now we're seeing functional radiology, functional cardiology, functional uh, endocrinology. So maybe it's going to be redefined in the years to come mm -hmm. to be a more mm -hmm. vital term. And so eventually we landed on an agreement. We would uh, we would call this functional medicine. We set up an institute. My wife then kind of got started on that. We went mm -hmm. out to then get um, continuing med continuing medical education approved credit to do category one courses for physicians, mm -hmm. and away we went. And now some thirty what is it going on thirty four years? Hard to believe to even say that. Congratulations! Um, wow, <laughs> it's actually scary to even say it. But I guess I shouldn't I'm be fine. scared when I look at my grandchildren. They're all now adults. But anyway, <laughs> uh, we we now have over a quarter million uh, physicians that have gone through our programs globally. Wow. And mm -hmm. um, the the concept is really to understand the root cause of mm -hmm. what is associated with the downstream things that we call disease or illness. Mm -hmm. uh, we're really good at diagnosing um, mm -hmm. and putting a name on it, but mm -hmm. we're not so good at being able to understand where it came from. But fortunately, mm -hmm. 
and I say I say this very fortunately, over the last now 34 years since we started mm -hmm. this discussion, the science underlying the origin of chronic illness has really evolved tremendously, much yes. different than when I went to school. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we were lucky because we had the groundswell of all this new science and new information, new understanding coming available. Mm -hmm. And we were right at the cornerstone of mm -hmm. applying that in clinical practice to really let's treat the cause and not just the effect. Mm -hmm. So we, uh, we think functional medicine is kind of an early warning system for understanding mm -hmm. why people have chronic illness, fatigue, headaches, muscle pain, digestive problems, behavior issues, foggy brain or cognitive dysfunction. All these things that uh, we see, low energy uh, kind of symptoms that are post-viral in, in nature, even now long COVID, uh, mm -hmm. we don't have a good medical understanding of how to treat them as a cause or as, mm -hmm. a, as a disease, but we should move mm -hmm. upstream and understand where they came from and manage their cause. And that, that's really what uh, functional medicine is all about. Oh, what a visionary, Jeff, that you are, you know, putting that together and sitting with it. And obviously it reflects for me a bit. I spent some time living in, in Shanghai years ago and the, the traditional Chinese medicine or Ayurvedic medicine is also about like getting to that root cause. And you might have a headache for three days, which in Western society we don't really want to have, right? We want a quick fix, but it's getting to that root cause. And I'm curious of the, the collaborators that you had come together. Were there many from Asian cultures that were embedded in this more um, Eastern medicine? Yes, actually, uh, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up. Uh, one of the um, groups that we were very interested in, we would had spent a bit of, uh, quite a bit of time with them, actually. Uh, actually, we lived in, in Hong Kong for six months, <clears throat> was, was a group of uh, Hong Kong and, and uh, Chinese national physicians that mm -hmm. were um, very, very experienced. One of them is a woman who um, actually has built probably the most prominent hospital for reproductive medicine in China, using lifestyle to help women who had problems with pregnancy uh, mm -hmm. to be successful. And in China, mm -hmm. at the time, it was one child per family. So this was a really big deal to yeah. make sure that, that women could be successful in, in carrying a term. Mm -hmm. And so um, we found over the course of our discussion with, with our Asian colleagues uh, that what we were doing in the discussion about functional medicine was, as you just mentioned, Claudia, very close to uh, what had been going on for thousands of years with the tr traditional Chinese medicine. So mm -hmm. to, to finish the story, they arranged a tour, which I was invited to uh, to lead, of mm -hmm. the uh, research stations in China to uh, mm -hmm. go from research station to research station. I would give a seminar. I would interact with the, the, the medical scientists there. We'd have a conversation. Obviously, I don't speak uh, Mandarin, so through a translator. Translator. Mm -hmm. and, and we ultimately ended up in Beijing. And uh, we were very fortunate to be um, have counsel with the, the chief of staff of, uh, I think, arguably the largest and most prominent hospital in China, the Beijing University Medical Center, and, and uh, uh, mm -hmm. the hospital that uh, diplomats would go to if they were ill. And mm -hmm. um, so we, we had this wonderful meeting with the chief of staff, and, and he said, well, I think you should uh, have a little um, lecture with our senior staff, which was mm -hmm. quite an amazing thing. So I went in there, and I had a three-hour lecture, obviously <laughs> translated, with their senior medical staff. So after it was over, we went back to, uh, to uh, it was a big gala thing with the media was there, and, and uh, he, he gave me a gift. Uh, actually, I gave him a gift first, and I gave a little right, speech. Custom. <laughs> then, then, yeah. he, then he gave me a gift, and as he gave it to me, he was holding it, and I was holding it. And he and then he started speaking, and he went on and on and on and on for a very long time. And 
of course, I don't speak uh, Mandarin, so I'm, I'm wondering, I'm looking over at my translator. He's looking at me, I'm looking at him. And, um, and eventually, he finishes this long uh, soliloquy and gives me the gift. And so I look over at my translator, I say, so what did he say? He said, well, basically, he said, you're the first American he's ever met that seems to understand traditional Chinese medicine. Ah. So I thought that was a pretty good endorsement for yeah. what we were doing with functional medicine. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Thank you for sharing that as well. Yeah, because I remember hearing it. I'm like, this kind of reminds me of, you know, the Eastern medicine practices as well. And uh how, what an honor, right, to be able to pr share with the TCM uh, practicing doctors, you know, that you share the same philosophy and mentality as well. And it makes sense when we think about it, you know, want to get to upstream, like what is the underlying cause? What is causing this? Um, and not just the diagnosis prescription models, which isn't serving people, as we clearly know, in our sick care system, right? Um, so, Jeff, I'd love to dig into the concept of um, immunity. And how would you define yeah. being, you know, immune? And what is contributing to having that balanced immune system and, and what happens when we're off and, and what can we do, be done about it? Well, thank you. That's another part of my uh, learning over the years. You know, I've, I've been in this field long enough. Obviously, I'm, I'm having my 78th birthday next month, so it's Happy been a few birthday. years. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, right. it's pretty amazing, actually. Even to say that is once again like, whoa, how did that happen? But, <laughs> well, you look um, 60, if anything, so maybe 55. <laughs> so clearly what you're doing is working well, so well, well done. Well, thank you. Thank you. So <laughs> uh, what um, what I've come to recognize over the years is I've assembled all these experiences and conversations and the research we've done and so forth um, is that the gateway to many people's health problems uh, is really through two different doors, but those doors are interconnected. So maybe it's just one super door. Uh, mm -hmm. And these are the first lines of how our body responds to outside information and how it, mm -hmm. uh, how it prepares the body for being able to fight off or to defend itself against mm -hmm. things. Um, mm -hmm. And that, that is the nervous system and the immune system. And uh, so those are the, the, the gateways into messages that our body receives that ultimately become part of our process that leads to pain, energy deficits, uh, uh, all sorts of symptoms that are associated with chronic illness. Mm -hmm. So I, when I looked at those two, I, I thought, well, the immune system is kind of an interesting thing. So it's, it's, it's a black box. It's uh, so complex. It's like all the stars in the universe. It seems to have all these personalities. Mm -hmm. But there is something about the immune system that if we knew more about, we could um, we could own uh, the function of our immune system rather than become a victim of our immune system, that maybe we could turn back the clock functionally on mm -hmm. all these issues that are associated with immune uh, dysfunction, not just infectious disease, but mm -hmm. chronic pain and, and uh, uh, brain fog and uh, mm -hmm. digestive problems and skin problems. And I mean, mm -hmm. it goes on and on. Virtually yeah. every chronic illness is associated with an immune uh, dysfunction. Yeah. And so when I started thinking about the immune system in that light, then I said, well, hold on just a minute. The immune system is really very dynamic. Um, the cells in our body today that are immune cells mm -hmm. will be different than the cells we have in our body four months from now. Our immune system turns over about every four to five months. So that means that uh, if we have a different set of cells that are in our body five months from now, are they as good as the one we have today? Are they worse mm -hmm. or better? And mm -hmm. then when you ask that question, you find, well, hold it, there are processes in, the, in our body that can allow those cells that will come in months to come will be better, more, mm -hmm. more able than the cells we have. We, we need to get rid of the clinker cells. We need to get rid of the ones that carry bad memories. 
Mm-hmm. We need to replace them with rejuvenated cells that have better mm-hmm. opportunity to make their own decisions about our health. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that just, uh, which sounds maybe a little bit um, far-fetched or like sci-fi, over the last few years has become more and more well-recognized in immunology that um, yeah. our immune system is a two-way street. Um, mm-hmm. It can be injured, but it can also be repaired. So mm-hmm. I said, maybe this is a, a missing link in our whole uh, health program. Maybe someone needs to focus on on this concept of what we call immune rejuvenation. Well, mm-hmm. one of my colleagues has worked with me for now 28 years. She's uh, she's obviously very tolerant for, for working with me for that number of years. But uh, she said, uh, this is uh, Trish Uri. She said, Jeff, um, you know, I, I've been with you all these years. And this idea you're coming up with, you keep talking about, you know, you're a big guy in stature. It's It seems like a bold idea. Maybe you need to, to form a company that really focuses on this and call it Big Bold Health. So that became our Big Bold Health about three years ago that was really focused on being able to harness our understanding of the immune system in ways that mm-hmm. people could start to own their immune system, could rejuvenate their immune system. Mm-hmm. And it has taken us on a journey that has truly been unbelievable because it just sure, happened. We, we started this actually before SARS, mm-hmm. COVID-2. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we know, we didn't know that suddenly immunity was going to become the uh, the topic of everyone. So <laughs> yeah. it's it's been a very interesting run. And I think we've made some great discoveries and, and found mm-hmm. things that uh, really do help a person to rejuvenate their immune system. Can you share? So thank you. And, and so it's exciting. And I would love to hear more in, in depth and details on what you're seeing. Um, and also how the role of like synolytics play, right? So the cellular senescence as well, which I find really fascinating what I've been looking at. And um, I know some companies have products that will support that cellular senescence process as well. But can you share what you've been discovering and, and what you're most excited about? Yeah, thank you. So let's start with synolytics here. I think that's mm-hmm. a good place to start this discussion mm-hmm. about immune rejuvenation. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the most significant steps forward in, in the development of this senolytic concept, meaning agents that will uh, prevent senescence or aging, mm-hmm. uh, was a discovery at Mayo uh, and University of Minnesota uh, that a combination of two agents, when given to animals, seemed to turn back their aging, made them stronger, made them more fit, made them more vital, uh, improved their blood sugar. I mean, it had all these metabolic beneficial effects. And those two things mm-hmm. were uh, kind of an old um, chemotherapeutic drug called denosovib, uh, which uh, had been used in cancer therapy for a long period of time. It was in what's called an anti-mitotic. It, it causes um, injured cells to die, basically. And mm-hmm. And then the other uh, agent, which uh, strengthened and works uh, synergistically with denosovib, uh, was a substance called quercetin. Mm-hmm. Now, quercetin is a member of the bioflavonoid, the, the polyphenol family. It's a, it's a member of diets that are plant-based that have uh, high levels of these nutrients in them. And mm-hmm. so people said, well, oh, this is really kind of interesting. I mean, this is uh, this denosovib working with quercetin has this ability to roll back the age clock in in animals. Mm-hmm. And so a tremendous amount of research has gone on since that discovery. Now, mm-hmm. to that end, people started to say, and, and this is where my, my interest really starts, um, mm-hmm. what role did this quercetin have in this? We maybe be able to understand a little bit of the uh, uh, denosovib because it, it was found to influence what are called the Yamanaka factors. These are the uh, gene, genes that uh, regulate aging to some extent that won a Nobel mm-hmm. Prize um, uh, for Professor Yamanaka. 
Um, and so we, we have a little bit of an understanding as to how the, the chemotherapeutic drug works, but how about the quercetin? What does it do? Mm-hmm. And so in studying it, it turns out that if we look at um, other members of the, of the bioflavonoid family in uh, nutrients that are in plant mm-hmm. foods, one of which is physetin or physetin, uh, which is a close relative of quercetin, we find out that they share personalities that are similar in helping to rejuvenate uh, cells. And they mm-hmm. do so through an epigenetic uh, signal that uh, causes cells to undergo apoptosis that are in, injured and to to be removed and replaced by new uh, naive cells, friendly mm-hmm. cells. Mm-hmm. And so this was a whole kind of discovery in the nutrition world because uh, nutritionists historically have not really taken these flavonoids or these polyphenols very um, very highly or important. They, they just consider them kind of, they come along for the ride with vegetables, yeah. but they're, they're not that yeah. important. Now mm-hmm. suddenly people were saying, well, hold on just a minute. Maybe there's a lot more to this polyphenol flavonoid story than we, we, we knew before. Now that's where we got introduced because I had an opportunity to meet the original investigators in the Centralytic area where we, uh, we, we kind of put our thinking caps on. And now a serendipity happened for me. And I'm sure you find this in your life as well, what we call serendipitous, you know, by chance really probably is not chance because we tend to hang out with certain people and we're more likely to yes. have certain observations. So yes. within two month period, I got uh, three, three events that probably uh, changed, well, not probably, did change my life. Mm-hmm. Event number one was I ran into a investigator at Vanderbilt University Medical School in Tennessee in the States. Uh, mm-hmm. who had been working on a uh, new way of treating bl- high blood pressure mm-hmm. using a, uh, a molecule that they had discovered that influenced the immune system to speak to the blood vessels in a way that would relax the blood vessels. So the immune wow. system was part of high blood pressure. I never had thought about that before. Wow. And so if you can make a more friendly immune system, uh, you make a more friendly blood wall, blood vessels, and that relaxes it, and you lower your blood pressure. That was the concept. And this this molecule that he had discovered was called 2-hydroxylbenzylamine. And, mm-hmm. and it turns out, it's all this abbreviated 2-HOBA, H-O-B-A. Mm-hmm. It turns out that that molecule is found in only one food uh, that could be identified. And that food was something I had never heard about before, which is called tartary buckwheat. Tar- tartary comes from the Tartan region of China. So it's wow. it's an ancient food. It's 4,000 years old. It's, it's one of the two oldest cultivated foods, the other being millet, um, mm-hmm. in the world. And mm-hmm. there's a rich history in Chinese medicine of the use of um, what is called Himalayan tartary buckwheat, which is one of the varieties of it for healing. And mm-hmm. so I thought, wow, that's kind of interesting. Uh, so then I, as I was, le- <laughs> happened to be invited to speak in Harbin, China, to about 10,000 uh, Chinese medical doctors uh, about functional medicine. So I was going to be mm-hmm. leaving to this trip, and I, I said to my colleague Trish, I said, Trish, you know, I'm kind of interested in this concept of tartary buckwheat. Do you think there's anyone growing it in the United States? She said, Well, Jeff, while you're gone, I'll I'll do some research, see if I can find out who's growing it. Mm-hmm. So when I was in in uh, China, it turned out Harbin is the northernmost big city up between uh, Korea, North Korea and uh, Russia. Mm-hmm. About 28 million people, by the way, not a small city. <laughs> small town. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so um, my my host uh, was a Shanghai East doc, medical doctor, but he was also had a PhD in the United States. You know, spoke very good English. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when we were to come back to Shanghai from Harbin, 
uh, there was a typhoon. And so the planes were grounded. And he said, so Jeff, we do have an option rather than just to wait, we could get on the bullet train and we could travel to Shanghai. And mm-hmm. I thought, wow, that would be cool because that's kind like 2,200 <laughs> miles right across the center of China going at nearly 200 miles an hour on this train. It's silent, <laughs> it's, it's vibration free. I thought that's like a kaleidoscope of seeing China. Yeah. So yeah, he and I got on the train. So we had a, we had a lot of hours um, to talk mm-hmm. to one another. So about halfway across China, uh, as we're going through all these agricultural fields, I said to him, so I have kind of a, a question that might seem a little strange, but um, I wonder if you ever have ever heard of Himalayan tartary buckwheat. And all, it was as if the train had stopped and we were in freeze time. And he looked at me <laughs> and he goes, I can't believe you're asking me that question. And uh-huh. I said, well, why is that? And he says, my my research group is the largest research group in China on Himalayan tartary buckwheat. We've wow. been exploring it. And we've been trying to find someone in the United States that we could partner up with that is knows enough about chemistry and and nutrition. Yeah. And so we we I when I got back, uh Trish then uh had been doing her homework and she said, I can only find one grower of tartary buckwheat in the United States, and that's uh, a gentleman by the name of uh Sam Beer. He is a former research professor of, of agriculture at Cornell University, very well-known research facility at the university. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he retired, and he and his nurse wife um, have a hobby farm in Angelica, New York, in mm-hmm. which they're growing a small amount of this uh, Himalayan tartary buckwheat. So to make a, a long story kind of complete here, I then put together a cooperative group between the beers. We now actually own the Angelica Mills. Uh, <laughs> And because he was retiring and they were going to you know, sell their, their farm. So mm-hmm. he became a consultant to our company. Um, and between the Vanderbilt University people and between my colleague in China, we formed a cooperative that became Big Bold Health to study the immune effects of this extraordinary plant that is associated with kind of nutrients that you see in people who live in blue zones. You probably know Dan mm-hmm. Butner's work and the blue zones. Okay. And it turns out one of the features of the blue zone diets across whether they live in Costa Rica or Vilcabamo or uh, in uh, even in Wilmington, California, one of the, the blue zones, mm-hmm. is that these people have diets that are very high in these flavonoids like quercetin and rutin and diazmin and hesperidin and so forth and so on, mm-hmm. of which are extraordinarily high in Himalayan tartary buckwheat. In fact, it's the richest food of all in those immune strengthening nutrients. So that was how my senolytic uh, kind of interest converted over now becoming an organic farmer in upstate New York, growing Himalayan tartary buckwheat on regenerative agriculture. I absolutely love that. Uh, must swing by at some point. I'd be so curious to to see it. Um, absolutely amazing. But tell us, what is your protocol, Jeff? Like, how have you adapted all these amazing learnings into your life? I guess for people listening, they're like, this is so phenomenal. But like, how does one actually go about adapting. So maybe you can share a little bit with my audience things that you do that you know really move the needle. Yeah, well, again, I'm, I'm always hesitant to um, to say what I do is necessarily going to move other people's needle, but I, I, I think there are some general principles that we've learned. Mm-hmm. We've done quite a bit of research. We've published many papers over, over the years, so I, I, mm-hmm. I think I'm speaking more broadly than just myself. So, mm-hmm. But there, there are some things that I think are universally beneficial for everyone in rolling back the age clock. So mm-hmm. let's let's start with number one. Number one has to do with regulation of your blood sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, if your blood sugar is going up and down like the Andes Mountains, uh, <laughs> that, that that's not a good thing. And mm-hmm. the way that the traditional 
standard American diet has been applied causes our blood sugar to go up and down, principally because of all the refined carbohydrate and simple carbohydrate sugar. So, you know, my colleagues all are kind of very uh, controlled on carbohydrates, simple carbohydrate, refined carbohydrate sugar intake. And mm -hmm. in America, the average intake of sugar per capita is something over 100 pounds a year. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's, if you think of that, that's like a third of a pound of sugar a day. Uh, and so that, that definitely it's hidden everywhere. Yeah, yeah exactly. Really. Yeah. And so uh, I think that comes back again to eating uh, foods that uh, are minimally processed that don't appear in pack package or come out of grease soaked bags and, uh, mm -hmm. and, you know, look like they once were alive and lived in the ground. That's kind of Michael Pollan's concept, right? Exactly. Stay on the outside of the perimeter of the supermarket and you're already doing <laughs> exactly. quite well. So, right? so, yeah. so blood sugar control. Uh -huh. Second, um, and, and as you control blood sugar uh, by eating the right kind of diet, mm -hmm. uh, then you're, you're also going to do probably be doing another thing, which is, I think, really important, and that's increasing uh, dietary fiber, which is both uh, soluble and insoluble dietary fibers. And this is one of the mm -hmm. values we found with Himalayan tartary buckwheat is that it, mm -hmm. it's extraordinarily high, these uh, beneficial prebiotic fibers. And when mm -hmm. I say prebiotic, what I mean is they help to nourish a healthy microbiome, the intestinal mm -hmm. bacteria that are our friends that live in our gut. Mm -hmm. And um, and so the the consumption of uh, foods regularly that are uh, high on, on fiber, and and obviously fiber is found in vegetable foods. So you you you've got to increase your vegetable food intake. It, it's not just uh, you know one type of vegetables. It can be beans, it can be legumes, it can be uh, it can be also um, non-gluten grains for people who have gluten sensitivity. Uh, that's another mm -hmm. one of the advantages of tartary buckwheat. It's a gluten-free. I don't know why it's got the name wheat. It's not related to wheat at all. Confusing, it has, exactly. It, it has mm -hmm. um, no no gluten in it, so it's a gluten-free uh, seed, actually. Mm -hmm. And so in, uh, increasing our fiber to something like 30 to 40 grams a day, and that sounds like a lot, but actually it's very easy to get that amount if you're eating uh, you know, every meal some vegetable related products mm -hmm. minimally processed i'm not talking about potato chips or french fries <laughs> exactly uh, and then, then, then the third um rule is and i think this is a fairly easy one to apply and that is eat the rainbow uh, mm. one of my long-term colleagues and a person i dearly love is dr deanna minnick who worked with me for many years mm -hmm. uh, and she's kind of really been the champion for this concept of eat the rainbow. And the reason mm -hmm. that eating the rainbow is a very practical way of judging our diet is that mm -hmm. if you, and when I say the rainbow, I'm talking about natural colors in foods, not synthetic diets. Colorants, <laughs> And, yeah. and the, the natural colored foods are basically vegetable, fruits and vegetables. Uh, mm -hmm. And those colors are really a consequence of the presence of these polyphenols and flavonoids that I've talked about. So the way to actually judge if you're getting these um, age-combating nutrients is to make sure you get colored foods and uh, vegetable and fruit products in your diet, minimally mm -hmm. processed. Mm -hmm. And so if, if, if you do that and you eat uh, minimally uh, processed foods and you mm -hmm. have your plate that's balanced with vegetable and animal products, stay away from processed meat products. That's, you know, more and more being seen, these processed mm. meats. Um, I know there's a big, huge uh, love now for bacon and cured meats, but quite honestly, that it's not really good for you. <laughs> so, and nitrate and everything in it as well. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. So, um, 
if you if you stay with uh, we, we we would say uh, organic meats and uh, free range uh, animal products and uh, organic vegetable and fruit products and minimally processed. You try to encourage as much of that in your diet as possible. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a guy who has flexibility in, in rules. So I, it's not that I'm so disciplined that I never have a, a dessert or I, I never have a fast food meal or I, I, I mm -hmm. try to just make sure that the majority of my eating experience follows mm -hmm. those rules. And when you do that, if you do a nutritional analysis of what you consume, you're mm -hmm. going to end up on the anti-aging diet program. You're going to end up mm -hmm. with the research that we've been doing that mm -hmm. demonstrates that you can roll back the age of the immune system. In fact, we just uh, finished a clinical trial. This was a mm -hmm. clintrial.gov approved trial mm -hmm. with 50 humans uh, in which we asked them to consume a concentrate of Himalayan tartary buckwheat that was very rich in, in fiber and very rich in uh, the polyphenols that I talked about. Mm -hmm. uh, and they they consumed it for 90 days. Um, and so it was it was very easy to um, put into their daily regime because we had concentrated it and put it into a, a capsule form so that they got a, a, making it easier to consume. Yeah. They didn't have to go to the kitchen and bake stuff or make foods. Um, mm -hmm. And in so doing, uh, we, we measured their age of their immune system before they started and then the age mm -hmm. of their immune system after after three months. Now, we were told uh, by a lot of people in the field that that was too short a time. We probably would never see any any difference. Uh, but mm -hmm. I chose three months because that's about the time that it takes the immune system to turn over. So I thought, mm -hmm. well, maybe one turnover would be good enough to incorporate this new information uh, yeah. into the health of the immune system. So we, um, the way we measured the, the age of their immune system was using some new technology that I'm very excited about. We, uh, we had developed... Um, a, a gene chip uh, at a company called Illumina uh, mm -hmm. that on that chip were 850,000 gene sites um, that were related to the epigenetic regulation of our genetic code. This sounds mm -hmm. pretty geeky. Like, no, uh, what this is, I love it. <laughs> Bring it, it on. Well, yeah, no, I, yeah. <laughs> so we had these 850,000 80, sites embedded on this chip, and then we would put wow. the person's blood on the chip uh, that had their immune cells uh -huh. And we would see then what of these sites were being uh, occupied or activated by uh, the immune cells. And uh -huh. so we were able to kind of measure the epigenetic age of their immune system using this tool, this, uh, mm. this analytical tool. Amazing. So we did it on baseline and were able mm -hmm. to get each person's signature of how yeah. their immune system was being epigenetically, how, mm -hmm. how it looked. Then yeah. we did the 90 days of, of where they were taking the Himalayan tartary buckwheat concentrate, and then we measured mm -hmm. using the same tool. And we were blown away. We proved a lot of my Downing Thomas friends uh, wrong, uh, mm -hmm. that we were able to demonstrate that in people who started off with aged immune systems, in which their immune system was older than their age and birthdays, mm -hmm. that after 90 days, they had a significant, about a 35% reduction in the age of their immune system. We made it wow. Wow. And, and uh, this, as all far as things we, the same. They, the diet remained the same. They yes. were relatively healthy. No other factors were changed. No increase in exercise. Purely That's taking exactly capsule. right. Yes. Wow. They were, it was an ad lib program. And this so-called N of one study, where uh -huh. the N of one meaning each person was judged against themselves. So where mm -hmm. they started and then where they ended up. And, um, uh, you know, obviously, I, I want to emphasize this is a pilot study. It was only 50 people. And it was only three months. But it's very, very encouraging <laughs> yeah. that uh, 
that we could actually show a signal coming from food because food is information, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's talking to our genes. Yes. And in this case, we were able to show that the, the uh, flavonoids and, and concentrates in Himalayan tartary buckwheat talk to the genes in, of the immune system in such a way to make them younger. So this that's, is amazing. I, Where I can I find these capsules, Jeff? <laughs> well, they're, 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 we actually, it's part of Big Bold Health. It's called HTB uh, Rejuvenate is the name of the, um, the product. And, and you can actually find them on the Big Bold Health website. And we've had a lot of extraordinary, um, you know, responses. Uh, we've had this, this product now for the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. And I, I think we're, we're excited when people are taking it. We have, we have a lot of reviews of people saying, wow, it, it, it had all these positive effects on energy. I'm thinking more clearly. I'm sleeping better. All the things that we think are related to a, a younger immune system. Of course. Yeah. Because I've, I've tested my biological age with glycan age. Um, oh, which yeah. That's a good glycan. one. Yeah. And I'm 26 again. Wow. <laughs> I'm trying to get I'm trying to get them to, but if I can lose 30% and uh, drop 30% in, in 90 days, I'm, 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 I'm all over this as well. So. <laughs> well, uh, we'll, 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 we'll send you some HTB Rejuvenate after we get Thank off. You. Uh, you know, if, if we have an address to send you some, we'll send you some and see what you think. Thanks, Jeff. I'd love to. Exactly. I mean, uh, I'm all about uh, figuring it out. And, and I think that that's the exciting part, that these tools, these modalities are out there, they're available. And that I hope, you know, people listening and, and watching us today can really get excited that there are modalities to do. That said, and this is one of my other podcast guests, it's like, it doesn't mean that you can go out and eat McDonald's the whole time and take this <laughs> right. tablet and feel better. So let's, you know, keep to the outside of the supermarket and focus on the stuff that is good for us. But this can help to repair the immune system. And as you're saying as well, I mean, even the blood vessels, I find that so fascinating. Well, you, this know, you, is you, you said something else that I, I want to just quickly um, sure. respond to, because I think it's it's in the topics of today. Mm -hmm. And we have these two drugs that have received all this attention. Um, Ozempic and Wagovi that are being mm -hmm. used for weight loss that are really anti-diabetic drugs um, mm -hmm. that now are being re redeployed for weight loss. And, mm -hmm. and the way they work uh, is that they are what are called GLP-1 stimulators. Uh, mm -hmm. GLP-1 uh, stands for glucagon-like peptide. Mm -hmm. Now, we've been studying glucagon-like peptide for 12 years. And so mm -hmm. I, I feel like I'm pretty knowledgeable about this topic. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that this Himalayan tartary buckwheat is a GLP-1 stimulant. Really? So it's an, and, and, you know, people forget about the fact that these uh, things that the drug companies can exploit, like mm -hmm. GLP-1, are actually mm -hmm. things that had been in our bodies. <laughs> They're not just waiting for drugs. They are working in our body every day to do work. Now, the problem yeah. is if you eat a really bad diet, mm -hmm. uh, and a bad diet is the SAD diet, the standard American diet, SAD. Um, Very sad. <laughs> that what that does is it it blunts a lot of your GLP one natural ability to control blood sugar and to control appetite. Mm -hmm. So if you eat a diet that's rich in foods that are natural GLP one agonists, meaning they stimulate GLP one naturally, it mm -hmm. controls appetite, it lowers body fat deposition, and it's mm -hmm. related to slimming. And now mm. can that's an explanation why people who eat the diets that are rich in these substances that activate GLP one don't have the same problem of weight gain as people yes. who don't eat those kind of diets. So yeah. we're, we're learning all sorts of lessons as we get into deeper understanding of the, mm -hmm. the magic and, and uh, uh, wizardry that's in nature that mm -hmm. uh, it surrounds eating a, a whole foods diet. 
Jeff, we could talk for hours. I find this so exciting, but I know that um, you have to go on to your next appointment. So before we finish up, um, I'd love to hear from you. What is your big vision and excitement for the future of medicine and longevity? What What's exciting you the most at the moment? Well, I, I really think we're on the threshold of having the tools available for people to live um, 10 decades with, with healthy living mm-hmm. and to you know maybe, maybe be able to have two or three careers in a life and and be mm-hmm. active into their hundreds. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think the technology and the science is there. Uh, it's now the changing people's perception of how they want to live. What mm. decisions will they make? And, and these mm-hmm. are the, uh, the maybe the most difficult and challenging things because we're so heavily uh, marketed mm-hmm. uh, to do things that are not necessarily in our best interest. Um, mm-hmm. I would call them a kind of anti-good health. And as a consequence, we become um, candidates or victims of mm-hmm. some of these uh, very, very skillful marketing programs to sell us mm-hmm. products that are not in our best interest in terms of achieving that 100-year healthy life outcome. I think mm-hmm. that's all going to change. I think there is a whole movement about wellness that is occurring now. I think that it is more than just a bunch of kind of fringe people, biohackers. I think we're starting to see it spread to Many people who really would like to live to be grandparents and beyond that are having the chance to get out with their grandkids and do all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And so I I think we're on the threshold of a a revolution in which this market, I'll call it the wellness market, will be a a, a very, very remarkable new part of our business structure. And Mm -hmm. it will give health coaches and all the health ancillary devices, wearable devices, things that are monitoring our health that allow us to have a lot more information about how to live healthily available and it'll it'll transform culture and make us think better sleep better act better more energy look better and enjoy life that's my big dream here here sounds amazing um we're working on it so let, let's see what we can do it's been such a pleasure to have you on and where can people follow what you're up to and and um yeah which what website would you like to send them to maybe social media yeah, thank you. I, I really two places, um, bigboldhealth.com. That's bigboldhealth.com. Mm-hmm. And the other, uh, you, you can find all my geekism at jeffreybland.com. So that's J-E-F-F-R-E-Y-B-L-A-N-D.com. Those are, those are places to, you'll find more of me than you probably ever want to. But Others might disagree with you. Jeff, do you have any final ask or message or um, parting thoughts or, uh, for my audience today? I think my parting thought is is really to carry the spirit that is uh, is what is why you have such a remarkable podcast, and that <laughs> is uh, longevity and good health is within our grasp. And right now, we we need to find some safe harbors as a culture. Our human culture right now is undergoing a lot of stress. It's a lot of mm-hmm. turmoil. It's a lot of uh, stuff that we we wish we didn't have to deal with, and we need to turn we need to turn the goodness of human beings, which is in our nature, into the dominant theme for mm-hmm. our future. And that starts with us being healthy. If you're mm-hmm. not healthy, uh, then you have all sorts of things that don't give you the fullest opportunity to express your joy and, and magic of being alive. And so I think that's. That's where we are as a culture. We need to make a decision as to how we want us to be seen, how we want to interact with one another, and how that relates to our both personal and and, and population health. Beautiful, Jeff. Thank you so much for taking the time to coming on today and sharing your wisdom and amazing experiences. Such a pleasure. My great pleasure. Thank you, Claudia, and the best to you and all of your uh, your listeners.
Thanks so much. We'll be Thank in touch. You. Bye, Jeff. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.